Please stand with me for the reverence of reading God's Word. I want to come to you this morning. We're going to skip the video this morning, guys. I want to come to you this morning out of the Word of God in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8. We are finishing up our Bless This Home series. This is the last Sunday of this series. How many of you have enjoyed the Bless This Home series? How many of you feel like your home life has changed, that there's some things that were said in this series Some of you husbands, you went home and you quit yelling at her. You quit trying to be a peacekeeper and you started being a peacemaker. Some of you went home and did dishes. (laughs) Glory to God. Because you wanted a blessed home. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, another beatitude, an attitude that should be. says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for at the entrance of your word, there is light, there is revelation. Father, there is anointing. Father, I thank you this morning that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Father, we thank you this morning that you haven't just called us to hear you, but you've called us to see you. Father, I ask this morning that you would search our heart, O God. Take not thy Holy Spirit from us, but God, let us ascend to the hill of the Lord that we may see you. Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. We desire to see you not just here, but in our homes and see you in our marriages and see you in our children, see you in our schools and see you in our government, see you in our in, in Hollywood, see you, see you, see you, Father, throughout all of creation, for you have created it in Jesus' mighty name. Turn to your neighbor, tell them, bless this home. Yes. Amen. You may be seated all over the house. I'm excited that the call of this church has not been just to create more Christian families, but to create more Christ-centered homes. I'm excited that we are moving away from a tagline that says, I just want to, oh, we're a Christian family. There's a lot of Christian families with a whole lot of mess in their homes. But when we get Christ-centered, when we put Jesus at the center of our homes, he says, I'll take your mess and bless it. I'll take your mess and make a message out of it. I'll take it. I'll use it. I'll correct it. I'll fix it. I'll change it. I'll anoint it. I'll pour oil on it. I'll do what only I can do. But we got to get Jesus at the center of it. Let me ask you something. How many of you here this morning have ever been robbed? Come on, put your hands up. Y'all live in Darlington County now. I know some of y'all worried about being shot for telling them. All right. Glory to God. (laughs) The reality of it is, is when you were robbed, there's one thing that you left. Jamie and I have been robbed as well. But there's one thing that after you found out you were robbed or shortly after you were robbed, if you knew you were being robbed and it was all over, you felt one thing. You felt violated. You felt like there was a place that no one should have been And yet the line was crossed. And see, I want you to know, I believe sadly in our homes, we take all kinds of precaution to protect our physical belongings, security cameras and fences and door locks, but we openly allow the enemy to come in and rob our homes, rob our joy, rob our children, rob our marriage. Oh, come on. It's time that the church starts feeling violated. 
Come on. You got somebody that's been in a space he does not belong. He does not deserve to be. Some of y'all got an enemy. He's been taking your joy. He's been taking your peace. He's been taking your marriage. He's been taking your children. And it's time for some of you to get as mad as you got in the physical. When you get right, get you a gun. Get you whatever you got to get in the spirit and go to war and get back everything the enemy stole. Because the Bible says when the thief is caught, he's got to return it back seven times seven times the joy seven times the marriage seven times the children serving God seven times the anointing seven times the peace when the enemy's caught he's got to bring it back seven times and you know what some of us we just like ah, it's alright I'll get over it just pray for me no I don't you, you know sometimes you, I don't need you to pray for me I need you to pray with me because we about to go to war See, the reality of today's message, though, is this. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Purity always carries with it promotion. Purity always carries with it promotion. Psalms 24, watch, verse 3 and 5. I'm going to show you again. Purity with it always, always carries with it promotion. Blessed are the pure in heart, Psalms 24, y'all. Quit trying to mess me up. Thank you. Who may ascend to the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Now catch verse 4. The one, the one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. Watch this. Who can ascend? Who can promote? Who can go higher in the things of God? How do you get promoted in the spirit? How do you go up higher with the things of God? I'm talking to people that feel like they're on the on a level playing field and they've been on a plateau spiritually. How do you get higher? I'll tell you how you get higher. You get pure. Because blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Guess what? Watch this. Hear me this morning. Moses comes to a mountain called Mount Sinai, and amongst him is 400,000 people. But guess how many went up on top of the mountain to see God as he passed by in his glory? There was one among the 400,000. 399,99,99 had to stay at the bottom of the hill, but there was only one man who had his heart postured in the place for promotion and it was him that ascended to the hill of the Lord. Some of you this morning are here and what you need to understand is you need to go higher but there's some things in your life that can't go with you because they will keep you at the foot of the mountain. How do I know those people were impure? Because when, when Moses went higher, they went lower. They started worshiping idols took their gold earrings, took their gold necklaces, mounted it in a calf, and jumped around singing kumbaya to the cow. See, the reality of it is this, that purity always carries with it promotion. What is a blessed home? I'll tell you what a blessed home is. A blessed home is a pure home. If God is calling you and your family to higher living, there's a good chance that he's calling you to greater purity. Oh, I'm, I'm going to help some people. We're going to go old school this morning. It'll be all right. I got this flowered shirt on. Y'all can't get mad at me. Be like, look at him. He looks too sweet. How do you know you're being promoted? Because Netflix series that you've been binge watching with your children in the living room 
all of a sudden you get convicted of. The amount of time you spend on social media while your children say, Mommy, Mommy, Daddy, 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 Daddy. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. I'm sorry. We're looking at my home this morning, not y'all's. And when you get convicted about that stuff, what it is, it's a call to purity because God's desiring to promote you. You've been saying God bless this home, but the reality of it is, is who can ascend to the hill of the Lord but him with clean hands and a pure heart. See, purity is the posture of promotion. How do you get to the top of the mountain? I'll tell you how you get purer. You allow things that are in your life that have been called compromise, that have been called defiling. You call them things out and you rid yourself. You denounce them. You get rid of them. Jesus, I'm done spending more time on Facebook than your book. Jesus, I'm done watching Netflix and I'm going to get in a place of prayer rather than watching six hours of series every night. I'm going to spend 30 minutes in prayer. Hear me this morning. When you begin to feel the convicting call of purity, it's because God's got his hand on you for promotion. Some of you are, you, some of you are sick and tired, sick and tired of being tired in the same place with God. The reality is, is you ain't changed nothing. Where are you, God? God's like, I'm over here, bro. Like, you're still back there. You're still dealing with that porn problem that I delivered you from two years ago, but you refuse to walk in the victory I've given you. You're still mad at people that I gave you grace to forgive. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. See, the word God uses here for pure heart, that pure heart is the word cardia, K-A-R-D-I-A, the same word, root word that we get the word cardiac from. Here's the reality of it. God's not asking you to have a pure heart. He's not talking about your flesh heart. That's not how you see God. The heart of a man is his will. It is his emotions. It is his very, very uh, intense feelings. It's the inward side of a man. And God says, blessed is the man who's pure in his emotions. Blessed is the man who's pure in his feelings. Blessed is the man that deep down inside, the very deep parts of his inner being, that's pure. Blessed is him, for he shall see God. See, the reality of it is, heart check. Without Christ, there is no such thing as a pure heart. You don't believe me? Watch. Jeremiah 17, 9. Jeremiah 17 and 9 says, The heart is deceitful. The what? The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Keep going, verse 10. And it says, I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. Watch that. He said, heart check. I, the Lord, examine the heart. Why? Because the heart of a man is deceitful. Listen to me. There's people under the sound of my voice, and you know what you've been guilty of doing? You've been guilty of following your heart. Woo! Boy, I felt that stone come back at me. Listen. Well, I'm just going to follow my heart. You better quit following your heart and start following the Lord. 
Because your heart will deceive you because it is deceitful for every man, woman, and child that's in this room and in the next room and in the next room. Every man, woman, and child has been born into sin. You're a sinner. Sin is your sinful nature. It's who you are as a child until you're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. The reality of it is, is everything about you is deceitful. You can't follow your heart. That's why my little boy who's four years old, he can go steal cookies. And I ask him, Kai, who stole them cookies? Harper. You deceitful little thing. See, you sinner, get on the altar. But the reality of it is, while we chuckle about it, the reality of it is, it's true that even as a child, the heart is deceitful. Watch this, though. He says, I reward each person according to their conduct. Y'all, if you don't think God ain't a God of character, if you don't think God ain't a God that watches what you do, how you do it, and who you do it with, and then he stands back, and as long as you're here, he says, I'll bless that, I'll bless that, I'll use that, I'll take that, and use it for the glory of my name. But the reality of it is, he's watching everything we do. Ephesians 4 and 18. Ephesians 4 and 18 says, They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them due to their hardening of their hearts. Go to verse 19, and it says, Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. The reality of it is this. Some of you this morning, go back to verse verse 18. They're darkened in their understanding, separated from the life of God because their ignorance is due to them due to the hardening of their hearts. The reality of it is, here's some of y'all's heart. You've lost all sensitivity to the things of God. Why? Because you've allowed things into your life that hardened it. You allowed betrayal. To harden your heart. Listen to me. Betrayal came, but what you don't know is betrayal came in the name of blessing, but you took it in the name of brokenness. Ask Joseph. Joseph could have allowed it to harden his heart, but instead he says in Genesis, what the enemy intended for evil, God turned it around for my good. See, he could have gotten a hard heart when his brothers came back to him. He could have looked at them and called for the, for the soldier's swords and cut their head off when they were bowed in front of him. That's what a hard heart would have done. But a heart that remained tender said, what you intended for evil, God turned it around for my good. What you meant for brokenness, God called my blessedness. What you meant to harden me, God meant to deliver me. What you meant to destroy me, God meant to destine me. What you meant to take me out, God used it to put me in. Have you ever walked into a dark room, completely dark, and notice that in that dark room, your eyes soon begin to adjust. Ooh, I'm going to help you all this morning. The reality of it is, if you're not careful, if you sit in darkness long enough, your eyes will adjust. 
You sit there in the midst of filth. You sit there in the midst of, oh, come on. I'm I'm, I'm, going to come. I'm going to come this morning. Can I come on through? See, when you sit there with dark friendships and you sit there with dark relationships and you sit there with dark TV shows and you sit there with dark fun and you sit there with dark this and dark that, next thing you know, everything is dark and your eyes have adjusted and you've lost the sensitivity of the Spirit of God and you're saying, God bless this home and he's saying, I can't. Somebody turn the lights off. My God, I feel his anointing in this room this morning. Psalms 119 in verse 9 said, How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commandments. Watch this. Young people. Young people. Who's young? Anybody basically 37 and under because I'm 36. All you other people, you're just old people and you ain't got no problems in life. Oh, easy. Remember, remember, don't let that offend you. That was a joke. Calm down. (laughs) Thank you for these elders. Lord, bless them. Lord God, thank you, Jesus. They said it was good. It was good, Pastor. Who can stay pure as a young person? Here you go. How do you be raised up in a generation where cake parties are the place to communicate and hang out? How do you be raised up in a generation where hooking up is okay? And let's, okay, let's, we're not having sex, but we just run in all other three bases. And if you're not, you're ostracized for it. If you're not, you're not considered cool. If not, you're not considered, you know. Here, 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 let me talk to the people, too, that maybe you're practicing, you know, uh, 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 abstinence and you're saving yourself for marriage, and yet all your friends are like, come on, man, how can you do that? Have you ever realized that maybe, just maybe, that the people that are doing those things are people that are really desiring to please God? With something called purity, because the Bible says that he's watching over our conduct, and he's blessing us according to our conduct. How does somebody stay pure? How does a young person stay pure? The Bible is clear. How does a young person stay on a path of purity? By living according to your word. By living according to your word. Watch this. I took this this morning and changed it. How can a family stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. It's not just for the young, it's for anybody. How do you remain on a path called purity? How do you make sure that you don't veer off in the ditch called adultery? Staying on the path of purity. How do you stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. David said, your word is a lamp unto my feet for my darkened path. In other words, your word illuminates what the world is trying to make me adjust to. Woo! Oh, hallelujah. Your word illuminates. Your word exposes everything the enemy. When the enemy's coming through my life and he's flipping off the switches, I get in your word and you turn them all back on and you show me every foothold. You show me every snare. You show me every trap. You illuminate my path. How do I remain on the path of purity? Because I get in your word. I meditate it on day and night. Your word is a lamp unto my feet for my darkened path. I can walk with God because his word keeps me walking can I tell you something purity does not happen by accident 
Your family ain't going to wake up one day and be like, whoops, we're Peter. Oh my gosh, purity all around me. Oh, look at my pure little children and my pure little marriage. My pure little husband. (laughs) Purity don't just happen. Purity is something that you have to be intentional about. Purity comes through creating a culture of purity in your home. So let me give you three things and I'm done. On how do you create a culture of purity in your home? If you really want God to bless your home, let me tell you this. Blessed are those that are pure in heart for they shall see God. My prayer has always been, God, I don't want to just experience you in church. I want to experience you in my home. I don't want just move of God's on the altar at Dominion. I want moves of God on the couch of my home. I want moves of God in my bedroom. And I, I'm going to share something with you really convicting because I love being transparent because, you know, I, I'll give you something to talk about so you ain't got to find something to talk about. But, you know, just a couple nights ago, Harper came to me and she said, Daddy, she said, do you think every night before we go to bed, me and you, we can just get together and pray? I said, yeah, baby, we can do that. Here's my question. Why did she have to ask me? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. God, I want to see you in my home. Daddy, will you kneel down and pray with me? We were laying in bed. God knows that 110-pound 7-year-old loves to cuddle. She was snuggled all up with me, her feet buried in my legs, holding me tight. She said that to me. I said, yeah, baby, we could do that. She kicks the blankets off. She gets out of bed. And we knelt down and we prayed. But the reality of it is, parents, listen to me. I don't ever want to live in a home where God can't use the parents to lead it, that he has to use the children to lead it. Because as parents, it's our job. As parents, we're the priest of our home. As parents, we should be calling our children and saying, hey, baby, let's spend some time in prayer. Now, now catch me, uh, uh, because rules without relationship leads to rebellion. I'm not telling you to force feed your kids on the things of God, because God knows what that's created in the church. But what I am telling you is that if you'll live it in front of them, if you'll talk about God like he's an everyday part of your life, it will create a natural hunger inside of them that they will want God for themselves. When no longer is mommy and daddy playing Matrix when the dishes are being swung through the kitchen. In Jamie and my house, I want to put, just so y'all know, because we're pastors, lead pastors, we never threw dishes in our house. She did throw punches, though. (laughs) Y'all laugh. I'm telling the truth. It is what it is. I ain't never thrown a punch, so glory to God. Only because I don't believe in hitting women. Jesus. Mm, girl, I'm going to beat you. I tell, I'm going to tell this story. I don't care. Whatever. I'm just going to tell it. Because y'all, y'all all in. Y'all all up in our house right now. You want to be there. First year of marriage, Jamie and I are having like a knockdown, drag out fight. Y'all ain't never had it. Y'all's marriages are too saved to have them. I mean, we fighting. 
exploiting. Like, I mean, like she's from Pine Ridge. Like I found out in Aiken, South Carolina, that Pine Ridge is not a geographical place. It is a person. It's a tribe of people. Listen, there's some Ridge runners clapping here. And, and uh, anyways, we fighting, and here I am. I come through the house. I'm the man of the house. I'm about to lay the law down. I come through the bedroom door. She's ducked down behind the door. I come through the door. She jumps up, throat punches me. Everything goes white. Y'all listen, Bible, if I'm lying, I'm dying. Everything goes white. And I said, oh, my God, I'm about to get knocked out by a girl. Straight up, it's been years since I've been throat punched. Glory to God. <laughs> Jamie finally got saved. She finally got delivered. Glory to God. Give God some praise in this house. They need to turn that camera around on you because you read as, as Charles Kirby's shirt this morning, girl. <laughs> Jesus, I got it. I'll probably get throat punched today. Go ahead and put that down. If I'm wearing a turtleneck sweater Wednesday night, y'all know why. It ain't no hickey, baby. I got a throat bunch Sunday night when I left here. <laughs> order. Order in the house. If you're going to have a blessed home, the first thing that you got to realize is you got to guard your own heart. Check that. Guard your own heart. Proverbs 4 and 23 says, above all else. Everybody say, above all else. Guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Catch that. Everything you do flows from it. What's it? Your heart. But what, what, what you need to understand this morning is that it's your job to guard your heart. Come on. Too many of us too worried about everybody else's heart and the whole time while we ain't on our post, the enemy over there sowing discord in our heart, sowing hurt in our heart, sowing hardness in our heart. But the Bible said if you guard your heart, I guard my heart, she guards her heart, guess what? Above it will flow everything else. Everything flows out of my heart. How do we have issues? How do we have mess in our homes? I'll tell you why. Because we have unattended hearts. Woo. We ain't guarding our hearts. I'm just going to throw this out there. How does affairs happen? Because we sit down and we watch shows like Magic Mike and then we want to know why we lust after other men. Oh, don't worry, men. Because how do affairs happen? We sit down and we watch Fifty Shades of Grey and then we wonder why we're looking at every fine-looking thing walking around. I'll tell you why. Because we're not guarding our hearts. And out of it are the issues of everything else in life that is flowing. See, what happened is the, the enemy sowed a spirit of lust in your heart when you opened the door and weren't guarding your heart. And now all of a sudden what's flowing out of it is just what you allowed the enemy to sow in it. See, the Bible says that on these things everything exists, seed, time, and harvest. And it, oh, come on somebody. See, what you need to realize is what you're sitting in front of, whether it be word or whether it be sound, is actually words. And those words are actually seed. And that seed is going to find a place in your life where it can land. I'm preaching Matthew to you right now that when the seed comes, it will land. And the problem is, is sometimes bad seed leads, lands on good soil. And it begins to take root. Why? Because nobody was there guarding it. Mm. 
Can I tell you how you guard your own heart? Stop rationalizing anything that's impure. If God's convicted you of something that you know in your heart, now hear me. I'm not saying look at somebody else's relationship with Jesus and what they do, you're good to do. Because Paul was clear that some people are offended by eating meat. Some are not. Some are offended by certain things. Some people cause or stumble by certain things. I'm not telling you to look at anybody else's life. I'm saying guard your heart. And if God's convicted you of something, you better get it out of your life as fast as you can. Because the goal of it is, is to take you out. So stop rationalizing with things that are impure. What's impure? Friends. Let me, let me help the married folk out. I don't care. I'm just going to tell it this morning. I, don't, I just feel kind of all kinds of bold and courageous this morning. Married folk, you don't need single friends. If ain't nobody else throw the shoe, I'll throw my shoe this morning. Married folk, you don't need single friends. Why? Because their liberty, because their freedom that they have, you ain't got it, bro. You ain't got it. And what will happen is it will cause, listen, the freedom that they live, the coming and going like they want to do, they ain't got nobody at their house they call the warden. They don't just get to go when they want to go. And the reality of it is it will cause problems in your home. What am I telling you? You got to be mindful of the company you keep. The Bible says that bad company corrupts good behavior. You used to be a good woman until you got those bad friends. You used to be a good man until you got, y'all, woo. What's impure? What's impure? What's impure? Your thoughts? Plenty of Netflix shows and video games, language I use. Attitudes. All of that are impurities and can be impure. Guard your heart. The second thing in creating a pure heart home, let me help the parents out. Listen to me. If you're a single person here and you're like, oh, glory to God, I came this Sunday and I'm not married. I ain't got no kids. Bro, let me tell you why you're here. Because God is saving you and preparing you the heartache and the trouble. So take all the notes you can. Because the rest of us dummies are over here. We're trying to figure it out after the fact. <laughs> the second thing in creating a pure heart home when it comes to parenting is stop parenting to the action and start parenting to the heart. I'm going to say that again. Stop parenting to the action and start parenting to the heart. See, if I was going to be any kind of parent, if there was any parent I could be, if you could say, man, if you could be any parent for a day, who would you be? There's not a single person in this room I'd pick except one that you can't see. And his name is God, and he is the good, good father. And when I look at God's model of parenting, watch this. In 1 Samuel 16, he tells us how he parents. He says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Parents, let me help you. Quit parenting the action, the outward appearance, and start parenting the heart. When there's rebellion, when there's attitudes, when there's temper tantrums, listen to me. It's not tears. 
Usually there's something in their heart that needs to be resolved and fixed. Usually there is something that you have an opportunity to speak ministry and to speak gospel into to allow healing. When Jesus chose to parent a generation, he came focused on the heart. He didn't come focused. Watch this. Religion looked at the outside. Religion said, oh, put on these big robes and put on all these religious garments. Look at us, how good we are. Jesus came and rebuked him. He said, you brood of vipers. He said, you wash the outside, but the inside is dirty. He said, you're like whitewashed tombs with dead man's bones all up in the inside of you. He said, you're like a cup that looks real pretty on the outside, but the inside is full of filth. Here's the question. When he said, you're like a dirty cup on the outside... Or you're, you're like a dirty cup, all clean on the outside, but dirty on the inside. Where do you drink from? I don't need what's on this bottle. I need what's in this bottle. And the reality of it is, is religion says clean up the outside, and it's okay to have mud on the inside. When you're parenting, quit looking for outward appearances. Quit looking for your children just to look like their lives are perfect. Start parenting their heart because out of their heart, the issues of everything in their life will flow. Come on, I'm 36 years old and I just found out a couple years ago I was still dealing with with parenting issues. I ain't talking about me as a parent. I'm talking about things I wrestled with as a child. I'm not going to go into detail because I love my mom and daddy and they watch every service. Glory to God. Love you. But the reality of it is is what's in your heart flows out into your life. Why do you have problems with trust? I'll tell you why you have problems with trust. Because usually there's something in your heart that happened in one relationship or one friendship that now flows over into every other friendship and relationship. The reason why some of you can't have a spouse, find a spouse, or keep a spouse is because your last man, your last woman, is when they married you, they were married to everybody else you were married to before them. Because you never got your heart fixed. And out of it flew, flowed everything else. When Jesus chose the parent generation, though, he focused on the heart. He said that if you look after a woman with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery. What did he say? I'm not worried about your actions. I don't have to catch you in bed with her. But if you'll look at her, you might as well. Because you've already committed it in your heart. And the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Your heart is like a well. You know the old wells with the round thing? You roll it down, the barrel goes down. When the barrel comes up, guess what? The the bucket's got in it what's in the well. Hear me. In one season, whatever's in your well, it will come to the surface. So right now, if you've got problems with pornography, if you've got problems with looking at men, looking at women, whatever your problem is, fix it now. Because if you don't fix it now, it will create a whole heck of a lot bigger problems that create a whole lot more people to get involved to fix your mess than than God fixing it right now one-on-one. Jesus understood that if he could fix the heart, he could fix, fix it everywhere. He said, I don't have to go around telling people not to commit murder. He said, all I have to do is I got to deal with the seed in their heart of hatred. He said, if you hate your brother, then you're already guilty of murder. He said, I'm not worried about the action. I'm worried about what's inside of you. See, the biggest mistake we make in parenting is we're focusing on the outward only. Can I tell you, though, outward submission often leads to inward rebellion. I'm going to say it again. Outward submission often leads to inward rebellion. 
Your kids will act right because you beat their tail to sit in that chair at church and they act right. But the reality of it is the whole time they're sitting there in their mind, they're growing a hatred towards God and the things of God. I'm just going to help you this morning. Because an outward submission often leads to an inward rebellion. You know, the reality of it is, is I don't need actions. I want to see what, what the heart's producing. A couple of weeks ago, Harper punched her baby brother like she often does. She's saved, been baptized. Glory to God. Jesus is working on her. And so I told Harper, I said, Harper, I said, yeah, you wonder where she get punching from. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I told Harper, I said, Harper, don't punch your baby brother. Tell him you're sorry. She's punched him. He's crying. I'm sorry, you stupid baby. She apologized. But her heart wasn't submitted. And the reality of it is, that's how a lot of us go through life, is we'll do the outward action, but we never allow God to get our heart. We never truly surrender and submit what's in our heart. What did we want to hear? We wanted to hear a sincere apology. Why? Because we knew that if we could get the heart, everything on the outside would be fixed. Too many times when we're parenting, what we're doing is we are parenting actions and not parenting the heart. We're too busy about fixing behavior and not fixing the heart that needs to be redeemed. See, the action was right, but the apology was wrong. Why? Because of the heart. Right actions come from a right heart. How do you have a blessed home? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Right actions come from a right heart. You'll never get right actions in your home. Listen to me, ladies. Your husband will never love you right until his heart is fixed. Husbands, listen to me. Your wife will never be fixed until her heart gets fixed. The church that you've been trying to hold her back from is the very thing that Jesus is going to use to make her the woman you've been wanting her to be. Lastly, and I'm done. Pursue perfect purity of the heart. You want a blessed home? You want a pure home? Pursue perfect purity. Watch this. Notice how I said perfect purity. I didn't say pursue purity because the reality of it is, is purity with any impurity is impure. It can't be pure. I'm going to help you all. Purity with any impurity is impure. You cannot have purity with any impurity. You want a blessed home? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You want to see God in your home? You want to see God in every aspect of your life? Pursue perfect purity. You say, I don't know, preach. That seems a little extreme. All right, we'll quit watching movies that say the F word and GD. We'll, we'll stop that. I, I hear you preach. It's all right. There's still that one thing that I like to watch. There's still that one friend, man. He's been he's been my my he's been my road dog since day one. We've we've been you know 15 years before I was with her. I, I was with him, bro. You keep on, and he's gonna be what you're gonna be with. You say I don't know, preacher. I, I mean I'm I'm all right giving up everything except a couple things. 
Let me tell you what you just told me. You're okay with impurity then. Because the reality of it is, is a little bit of impurity makes purity impure. There's a story I heard of a mama that was baking brownies. She was making brownies and standing in the kitchen. Her kitchen overlooked into her living room. Her son was there watching a show, a series of shows. She was, as he was watching it, she's making brownies for his birthday. His birthday's coming up that week. He's carrying his brownies to school uh, for everybody to eat and partake in his birthday. And, and uh, anyways, watching the show. And she told him, she said, I really told you, I don't want you watching that show. I don't like the things they say. We're trying to have a Christ-centered home. We're trying to honor God. And he's like, Mom, he's like, they don't cuss that much. It's just a little bit. And there's just a little nudity. It's like real quick, real flash on the screen. And, and, and it's like, it's on, it's off. It's not that bad. It's just a little bit. The movie's an hour and 35 minutes long. And there's maybe a total of 60 seconds total of everything that's wrong in that movie. Mom, it's okay. It's just a little bit. It doesn't ruin the whole movie. She's stirring brownies. And there in the living room, their puppy had pooped on the floor. So she takes her spoon, and while he's watching the movie, walks over, takes her spoon, and sticks it in the poop. He's looking at her like, what are you doing, you crazy woman? you like, get a napkin. Don't like, she thought he was spoon cleaning it up. She goes back, smiling like mom was doing, begin to stir his brownies. And he said, mom, what are you doing? She's like, just a little poop. He said, Mom, you just took poop and put it in the brownies. See, the reality of it is, is none of you in this room would eat those brownies because a little bit of poop goes a long way, even in a whole lot of brownies. And the real reality of it is we're too often trying to give God brownies with poop in them saying, go ahead and eat it. It's just a little bit of impurity in my life. There's just a little thing, just a couple little things I'm doing. It'll be all right, God. Go ahead. Here's my life. Take it and consume it. God's saying, I don't want anything to do with it. There's too much poop in the brownies. A little bit of impurity in the midst of purity makes everything impure. God bless this home. He's not going to bless impurity. Husband, he will not bless your marriage when you stay up at night when she goes to bed and you watch porn on a screen and you allow five different women naked into your living room. He's not going to bless your marriage. He will not. Wives, he's not going to bless your marriage when it's the little lies that you tell because one little lie leavens the whole lump so how do you know if we're impure how hard is your heart stand with me all over the house How do I know if I'm impure, preach? How hard is your heart? How hard is your heart? When you're in the midst of a spirit-filled service like we were this morning, do you sit there numb? 
Because if so, there's a good chance your heart is pretty hard. See, but there's hope for you this morning. There's hope for you this morning that is sitting here and you're saying, but preacher, I've been through a lot. I've been dropped. I've been abused. I've been betrayed. I thought God was for me, and I feel like he's not. If God really is for me, then why didn't he do this? Why didn't he do that? And see, all along what you don't know is everything you've been through was an assignment from the enemy to harden your heart. Because if he could ever get your heart hard, what's inside of it can't flow. Moses has taken the Israelites through the desert, and as he is, one of the last things he has to do, 40 years into the journey. He comes up to a rock, and God says, speak to the rock. Speak to it. Moses gets frustrated because of the complaining of the people, and he takes his rod, and the Bible says he smites it. He hits it. The rock craps, the cracks open, and when it does, the water that's inside that rock begins to flow. But because of that single act of disobedience, Moses will now not enter into the promised land. He'll have to stand on one side and watch him go in. What's the difference? God said, speak. And Moses hit it. Do you know how rocks are formed? They're formed by compression. See, why did God say, speak to it? Because God wanted to crack the rock. Listen to me this morning. There's you that are under the sound of my voice. And the way your heart got hard was by something called compression. Things in this life that began to squeeze you and press you. That husband that walked out on you. That mama that left you when you were a child. All of those things were compression. They were taking elements and forcing them together. Because what the enemy wanted to create in you was a heart of stone. But I got news for you this morning. God won't hit your rock. He'll speak to it. And when he begins to speak to that rock, what's inside of it will begin to flow. I get excited when I cry. Do you know why? It's proof. That he's speaking. And what's in my heart is flowing out. Your tears are the gas gauge of your heart. They're letting you know if you're full. They're letting you know if you're empty. When you're crying, when you're weeping, I'll tell you what it is. It's your heart that's overflowing. Your heart that's not hard, but it's soft. There's news for the, the, you, though, that are here this morning that say, man, I want to feel God, want to know God, but I just feel like my life is too hard. Ezekiel 36 and 26 says, I'll give you a new heart. I'll give you a new heart. He says, I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your heart of stone and I'll give you a heart of flesh. Some of you here this morning, this is your heart right now. It's really hard. But what Jesus wants to do, he wants to take that heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh something that's pliable, 
something that can be molded, something that can be touched, something that's soft, that when he puts his finger on that place in your life, you move in submission to it. You move in submission to the Spirit. How does God raise up a generation of revivalists and soul winners? There are people that are pliable in his hand, that when he speaks to them, they move. He can stretch you and he can do whatever he needs to do to mold you and make you into the person that he's called you to be. He can't do it, though, with your heart of stone. There's people here this morning, and the reality of it is, is you need a heart transplant. And the good news is, is you don't have to get on an operating table. You can come to this altar this morning. I'm telling you, I already went through the surgery, and I came out just fine. It was there on that altar in Sumter, South Carolina that Jesus took my heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh and a guy that used to use his name as a cuss word. It's the only time I used Jesus. When I was cussing somebody out, it was GD this, it was mother F this, it was nasty, it was defiled. I was a wicked man. Haven't met one yet that scared me because I, when I see them, a lot of them, no matter how far they are, I see where I was. I see who I was. I see at what I was involved in. But I want you to know that Jesus took me. He put me on his operating table, the altar. He took my heart of stone. He removed that thing that was bitter, that was hateful, that was, that was, that was negative, that was full of, full of pain full of her he pulled it out and he put a heart of flesh inside of me and all of a sudden I began to weep all of a sudden I started to feel the presence of God like water rushing over me it began to soften me you know it's amazing I got a lot of kids I went to high school with that even watch our services and a lot of them watch because they watch in disbelief they're like ain't no way ain't no way Yahweh But the reality of it is, it's just a heart transplant. Every head bowed, every eye closed in this room this morning. You're here. You've already took the most difficult step you had to do today. Be here. Get yourself in an atmosphere with a church whose vision is for you to encounter Jesus. You're here. The hardest part is done, but now there is a call. What will you do with what you have heard and what you have received here? There's people all over this room right now under the sound of my voices. And the truth is, is your heart is hard. There are places in your heart that have been under the compression of the enemy. And the the enemy has used it to cause your heart to turn away from the things of God. God said that if you'll come into his hands this morning, he'll take you. He'll begin to mold you. He'll begin to fix what the enemy has used to try to harden you. And he'll solve in it but you gotta get on the table every head bowed every eye closed you're here this morning you say preacher God can't bless my home because he's not in my heart if you're here this morning and you know just through this message that Jesus is not Lord of your life with every head bowed every eye closed will you raise your hand just so I can simply pray for you you're here this morning You're saying, preacher, I want to give my heart to Jesus. I need Jesus to bless my home. Anybody this morning, will you raise your hand? Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you need to make it right with God, I see that hand, I see that hand. Any others? You're saying, I need to make it right with Jesus this morning. Thank you for that. Thank you for the two souls that are saying, God, 
Take my heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh. Now, this is what else I want to address. There's people here this morning. The truth is, is you love God, but your heart is hard. You love God, but you don't feel God. You need a heart transplant this morning. You need God to take those hard, bitter areas from your life and do like what he did with Joseph and take that heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. If you're here this morning, I want you to raise your hand just so I know who I'm talking to. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. Come on. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. Anybody else? Thank you for that hand. Come on. You're saying, God, take my heart of stone and give me a heart that is sensitive to the moving of your spirit that when I stand in a room where you are, I want to know that you're there.